0: You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens.
1: I'm going to go live. Uh, Fans wouldn't be happy. I'm glad I said that before I went live. Both of them? (laughs) Oh, you're talking about not just your
0: fans?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're live now. Martin's like, I'm glad I
0: said that before I went live. Uh live
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it now that it can be uh, used against me. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's not not like God's not always
1: listening. I know. I know, but
0: Martin doesn't (laughs) care about that. It's only if if our fans are listening.
1: I was going to say some things to get myself in trouble straight away. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get in trouble later. I'll just wait for them. Well, I, one of the things I love is pushing go
0: live while you guys are not paying attention. That's, that's <laughs> one of my favorite things to do. So we are live. And this is, uh, this is kind of like a little uh, between season episode that we thought we might just jump on. We're, we're past the first of the year. Um, one of the weirdest things about the first of the year or yesterday, I should say, is that it felt like it was the middle of January to me. I don't know if it was that way for anyone else, but it's was like the first week of the year was
1: so long this year because it was a full week, you know? So I saw you put up about, um, you know, if you're going to be in church every Sunday in 2024, you need to be in church tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. there's no way tomorrow's the first Sunday of the year. I and know. I actually looked up on the calendar. I'm like, it can't be like, yeah, it, it was such a long week for some reason and a good week. But, um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, actually that odd. statement is true of any Sunday, so I don't know why I put it up. Like that was such a profound statement, <laughs> but you know, if you're going to be in church every Sunday of 2024, you have to be in church tomorrow. It's like, well, that's true as is the next Sunday, but you know, that's fine. Speaking of Sundays. Oh, you put
1: it up with a pretty picture. So, you know, a picture of our church, you know, just a little, little social media bomb for everybody. Um, a few speaking, years ago, I started putting up pretty pictures and I would put on like the craziest verses on one of them. It was like a beautiful English town scene. And I put up and they were bit by vipers, you know, as a Bible verse that says about that. And people were liking it and sharing it, and like it was the longest time before anybody stopped. And they were like, "Wait, vipers?" What?
0: Just, just goes to show the power of the visuals, right? My eye affects oh, my yeah. heart. We don't, we don't read what we post. We just, oh, that looks nice. So we started on the lack of reading. Hey Tom, um yes, If you notice, you notice how chatty Martin Martin is this morning. He must
1: have had two cups of coffee. I think he's on steroids again. <laughs> hey, I'm on I'm just hyped up on my old gray tea Ooh. and my awesome uh Capitol Baptist Church mug free courtesy of Marty Montgomery. Oh, Marty. I was like
0: which which Capitol Baptist Church? That's cool. That's
1: that's the best kind of friend to have, the one that gives you merch.
0: Yeah, Absolutely it's true. it's true. So, since Martin is so chatty this morning, why don't we start with him and uh um, How did your Sunday go? How was the first Sunday of the year for you?
1: The The services were great. I enjoyed getting back into Genesis, talking about the days of Noah, and uh, really, really interesting. Um, but our attendance was hit because of a snowstorm that we had come through oh. on Saturday. So between the snow sickness and people being away for different reasons, our attendance was about half what it was the last Sunday in December um so you know that was a noticeable drop but it was still a great great service great spirit and right you know the only way is up in terms of attendance for the rest of the year <laughs> you hope, huh? so some people peaked yesterday you know <laughs> oh man yes 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 yes
0: we had we had a really excellent attendance our our bad attendance was last week um of course our family of six was out of town we we always go I say always, we have always gone at least for the last several years out to visit Cheryl's family right after Christmas. And, um, so our six were gone, uh, sickness. Uh, I don't know if sickness has affected you guys' services or not, but, uh, man, it hit us hard in December and we maintained mm-hmm. pretty decent numbers in spite of that, you know, but, um, I got sick before Christmas and I was, I was in bed for literally three days. That's kind of rare for me. Um, but, uh, after that you know we went out of town but we came back yesterday and had a really great day um, our attendance was up uh, auditorium crowd was really up um, our nursery and toddler services uh, our ministries are packed out like we had we had nine ba- eight families have babies this year in our church nine children one of them had twins and so most of them were there and in the auditorium yesterday. It was kind of cool to hear the little babies occasionally crying out, you know. Um so we had a really good day, good spirit. Uh you know, it's kind of kind of one of those Sundays you want to pull out all the stops, but you realize everyone is just still wasted from the holidays. And so uh we did our best. But um really, really blessed by yesterday. Good solid, solid attendance last night for um for Sunday night as well.
2: Good. Good. Yeah. We had a good start to the year. It was a good Sunday, as you would measure those things. But we did something rather um, out of the ordinary for us, which is for the first time in 27 years, we got new songbooks. Ah. And, uh, yes, we still use songbooks, and we intend to continue to use them. And it was really fun. Our church sings well. It um, doesn't yet sing great, but it's improving, <laughs> and it does sing well. Good. And, uh it was really fun yesterday. There were a lot of blessings yesterday, but the neat part was last night we, we do a time in the Sunday night service where people choose what songs they want to sing. And we sing their their favorites for about fifteen or twenty minutes and to walk, to watch them leafing through the songbook and finding, you know, different songs. And yeah, it was just, it, it was like watching a church full of children unwrap a present. It was yeah. it, it was just a neat thing. So I really enjoyed it. But it was a good, good day yesterday.
0: Sing services are really awesome. I just I've never I love them. done one like a whole just yeah.
2: whole, just all singing. Yeah, I've never done one.
0: Well, I would but. say we. I, I don't even know if it has to be all singing, but you know how a lot of times you have announcements, you have all this stuff going on. I mean, if you just do thirty minutes of singing, you're going to sing ten or twelve songs easily, yeah. if not more. Yeah. And yeah. if you do song yeah. requests, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I don't know if you guys did this or not. We did a, a Christmas Eve service. Uh. Well, a Christmas Eve was on a Sunday, so we all did one of those. I, I know. Um, but we ended with about six carols, you know, and we do like a verse and a chorus and just, we had them all prepared, uh, throughout and candlelight and that kind of thing. And, uh, that is one thing I miss about Christmas is the, this, the congregational singing is just maybe a bit more joyful. Not that it's bad other times of the yeah, year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. And it's fun think for it's me. I it's the power of
1: repetition, isn't it? Because everybody yeah. knows the Christmas carols and so they can just, you know, yep. blast them out and.
0: Well, well they're we had also a
1: candlelight not- service on Christmas Eve, and it was um it was awesome. I loved it. I think it's the oh, best yeah. candlelight service I've
2: I've been involved with. That's cool. We, we we do one every year and I enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. I think at Christmas time, usually people are in a good mood. Usually uh-huh. most people are in a good mood. That makes them sing better too. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it because they're singing some of the most doctrinally rich
0: music mm-hmm. in our hymn books and in our repertoires, right. and it's like man when when people that's another thing is um not to not to just uh, completely change directions here but it one thing that connected with me uh over christmas is i started reading through some of the lyrics of our christmas music and i was like man this is just very very rich but um i've tried to i've tried to become i don't want to start a discussion here a bit more expositional in my approach to preaching um i don't I coming Never mind. I, 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 <laughs> Tom, Tom's like, Tom's like, I didn't say, ahead. for oh. the record, I didn't oh. say a word. He's, Tom, say. He's like, I, I've
1: been trying something new. I've been preaching messages <laughs> yeah. from the Bible. From the Bible. And Bible. I, I feel like it's been going really well. Uh, well, let me, <laughs> no, let me I, I know what you mean. I know what me you mean. Let me expound
0: you further. My face is red. um <laughs> with, with the Christmas season, I I almost went even more so that way. Like I kind of challenged myself this year to preach on lesser known passages of that dealt with the Christmas, the first advent, the incarnation. And of course you have Galatians, you have Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, some things about that. And so preach through all that. Uh, Jesus made a statement when he was standing before Herod and Pilate, he said, to this end, was I born? And it's just a really neat tie in. And so we uh, we went through all of that, and what it what it ended up being was a, a an overall just hyper focus on Christ, mm-hmm. which was awesome, you know. And mm-hmm. so then you're singing these songs, and I'm just noticing, for me, the music touches my heart more when I am more established in my understanding of Jesus. You know, that's why I think Peter prayed, you know, growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, and so it's it just was a good season for us and all that to say. Uh, yeah, trying to, trying to up my preaching game to catch up with Martin.
1: So I think you need to aim a little bit higher than that, but
0: (laughs) so glad you guys have started the year. Well, ended the previous year. Well, uh, we've got a few folks who are tuning in it's Monday at 10 o'clock, uh, central time. And so if those of you who are tuning in can help us by, uh, sharing the live stream, that'll get a few more people on. I think, I think maybe we're hoping for a little more interaction on this one. Should we just jump in?
2: Do we have anything else to talk about? We have nothing else in the world to talk about except for this subject politics. Do we want to get only people? Thing. In Iowa, it's the only thing you're allowed to talk about in January. Right. against right. so the law was, to talk about anything else. This was Tom's idea? Is that
0: correct?
1: What? Are you throwing me under the bus? Yeah. I think it was.
0: Well, now uh, that Tom's think... a rural Iowan pastor uh, instead of Chicago, suddenly it's a, it's a different ballgame up there for a presidential election, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. My vote in Chicago didn't matter a whit. Right. You know, it wasn't a, a puff of wind and a thunderstorm. Oh, my but here, goodness, yeah. my vote matters. Right. Yeah, and Which so is, this and is here your first... here you get to see presidential candidates, too. Were you pastoring there in 2020? I was, but there was no Republican primary in 2020. There you because go. Because Trump was running for re-election. So um, this is the first presidential primary I participated in in Iowa. So uh, Peter Chamberlain presidential... is... And in, Peter Chamberlain's in New head. Hampshire, and he
0: says, uh, don't forget that actually New Hampshire is the first in the nation primary. Okay, caucus. You have... yeah. Caucus, All right, yes,
2: exactly. I'm sorry, Reverend Chamberlain, you're technically correct. Realistically, everybody knows I was first. Well, he, except the Democrats. He texted me this
0: morning, and they're dealing with 10 inches of snow up there, Martin, just like you are, I guess. But he said he was going to try to catch this, and I hope he can stay on because they are very involved, and I'd love to love to get yeah. his input on some of these things but uh yeah. so what what has been your experience tom with this this primary that's coming up what is it next monday
2: is the caucus uh 15th yes yeah, monday night yeah. next monday night yeah so um, that's that's going to be interesting it's just been different from the standpoint of I, I do remember this from 2020 the democratic primary was our caucus was competitive and I was just shocked how often those candidates were through Dubuque. Dubuque's 60,000 people, probably our county's 100,000. Um, but those, pres- I mean, all the way back like a year before, there were presidential candidates coming through town and hanging out in the park and eating ice cream. And, you know, Bernie Sanders is down there with four people. And, you know, that was, uh, and I made a note of that in 2020, not about Bernie, but about the presidential candidates, because I've right. always wanted to to have a chance to meet them and hear them and be at some of those events and, and I've been able to do some of that this year so that's been fun but I I really feel like like I'm being courted if that makes sense mm-hmm. I get texts I get phone calls I get people knocking on my door I get invited to events um where there's free food you know it's, mm-hmm. it's I, I feel like it's um they're really trying to persuade me and it's such a yes. unique feeling because I've never I've never lived somewhere like that before I remember 2016
0: was the first time that the Indiana primaries mattered in a very long time um I don't I don't know when the last time it, it was that for the Republican uh, presidential um, primaries that it came down to Indiana. And as a result, I felt that same pressure. It wasn't it wasn't as familiar because Iowa is every you know every time there's a primary that that's a big deal. But I remember going out to eat with the Cruz campaign. I remember the Trump campaign coming into town. I remember Trump doing rallies. Um, I remember Bernie did a rally and, and honestly, Bernie did very well in Evansville with the Democrats it was it was interesting um I remember um just like actually so at that time I was I was pro Ted Cruz um I say at that time I mean you know whatever but because of that I thought hey you know as a private citizen I w- I, I want to see what this is all about I wanted to learn the process a little bit more and I wanted to get a first kind of a uh first person view of the of the civics process there so I went and made phone calls uh, for him, just yeah. to, I knew the, I knew the place where they had their station. Um, some people that we knew were letting them use their, their business. And so went there, uh, CNN reporters walked through the room that I'm like, Oh, I've seen that guy before. You know, I didn't know their name, but I, you, you mm-hmm. knew, Oh, this, this is coming down to, you know, and Evansville's third largest city in, um, in Indiana. Most people don't realize that. Um, but, uh, uh, it was it was really unique, and so I, I kind of know a little taste of what you're dealing with, um, and and how it feels to be like, yeah, we want to talk to you now. As soon as it's over, they're gone. That they're moving on, right? New Hampshire's next, but it, it's still a, it's it's a unique opportunity. And so it, it, I don't know about you guys, but I have like verbally stated that I I'm not looking forward to this year as a pastor. Um. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I'm think i looking forward to some things. I'm not looking forward to some things. Um, I, I'm trying to revamp my approach appropriately or tweak my approach from 2016 to now and to do things better as a pastor. Um, we're in speaking such of a, politics. Mm-hmm, and how I'd handle it from the pulpit. You know, I was maybe a bit more aggressive uh, in 2016. And I don't know that I regret that by any stretch. Um, but uh, I remember a, a guy... A guy in our church who had always voted Democrat um, told me something to the effect of he said, well, you changed my mind, preacher. You changed my mind It's the first time I'll ever I'll ever cast my vote for the red. And I went, I I didn't know that I was doing that. I didn't know that I was putting that pressure, you know, and I don't regret that either, by the way, especially for
1: 2016. Um, So. We have it's several difficult questions. because there are so many semen political issues that are also yeah. moral issues. And yeah. to hit on the moral, it sometimes seems like you're moving into the political, even if you're not deliberately doing that, it can be
2: perceived that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think you're right. And I think all three of us, uh, you know, our listeners speak for themselves. But I think I know you right. two men well enough to know that we don't generally preach a lot of politics in the poll, but we got a question about that. Um, in our in our social media last week about the connection between politics and and the pulpit and the three of us aren't generally very political in the pulpit but that to me martin what you just said is where that line connects when you're preaching Mm -hmm. about a moral issue if it's a right or wrong issue and there is a public dimension to that right or wrong issue then that Mm -hmm. needs dealt with publicly from the pulpit Um, i think I, i think if all you do is preach politics you you Pull the authority yeah. out from underneath so much of the rest of your preaching and you alienate potentially half of your crowd. But regardless of that, when it intersects with right and wrong, that's that's when it is biblical to preach politics.
0: We have major issues confronting our country, as we did in 2020 and 2016. What do you guys think are some of the most important issues that would would face that crossover where people view them politically, but we view them
2: spiritually? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I abortion think is probably the number one. But abortion. Is go ahead, Martin? Tom? Yeah. No, go ahead, Martin. That's you're right about that.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know abortion on the left that is seen as purely a political issue. They they don't, for the most part, they don't see any moral uh, perspective to it. Whereas on the pro life side, it is only a moral issue. That there's no. Mm-hmm politics about it and so i think that's one of those areas where it's uh, you you're often going to be seen to be crossing a line simply by addressing it
2: and of course we all rejoiced in the supreme court decision to turn it back to the states i think it was revelatory you know we we spent decades trying to, to trying to get that decision uh, through mm-hmm. the supreme court to set it back to the states and we didn't anticipate when we did that the states would then turn around and vote for it to be legal, which is what what's yeah. happened again and again and again. And as a result, you're seeing on the Republican side, on the Democratic side, you're seeing glee on the Republican side, you're seeing. Uh, Nikki Haley and Trump have both waffled somewhat. Oh, Christy my, yeah. always was, mm-hmm. but they've 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 waffled somewhat in their public statements about abortion, trying to put some nuance in there because they view it as a political issue. Versus, I, I don't remember Ramaswamy's approach, but I know DeSantis has still viewed it as a moral issue. But I think you'll increasingly see that, Martin, over the next X number of years, that that mm-hmm. the Republican side will become the big tent where both anti-abortion and pro-abortion are accepted and that becomes more and more problematic for the Christian over time. Yes, I agree with that. I think, I think think, your, your, your prediction is correct. Go ahead. I was going to say another issue that is not brought up very often that I think does have a spiritual dimension is debt. Oh yeah. Because debt is a moral issue. It Uh is, it's, -hmm. it's not just biblical in the sense of it's spoken in the Bible, but when you are essentially borrowing money from your grandchildren uh, enormous amounts of it. And I've read books on economics. In fact, I just, just this week finished a biography of Milton Friedman. I, I think I understand the, just a little bit of how that all functions and, you know, how they say, you know, the, the deficit is not a problem and the debt's not a problem, but it is and it will be eventually and it will catch up with us. And And I think there is an immorality. I've sat my children down when they were small and showed them that website with the debt clock. And this is years ago, you know, as, as it's just progressing very fast and said, this is what your government is doing. And that's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. They're both guilty of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that's not talked about very much that should be talked about as a moral issue.
1: I think it brings into question how secure a nation can really be if they spend themselves into oblivion or they put themselves into the debt of foreign investors. You know, will the people in positions of responsibility make the right decision for the nation or are they – um you know in kind of uh bondage. are indebted the to
0: their donors and yeah. they're yeah. you yeah. know are basically you, you view this as they don't have the ability to act on principle because they're so mm-hmm. tied down um based on there are a lot of people pulling strings who uh, who
1: control the money um and that's true on an individual level as much as it is on a national right. level
0: and, and i thought the way by the way we'd this is for you guys as much as, as our listeners. I thought we would deal with issues first. We just talk about the issues because that's our podcast name. And then um, maybe talk about candidates next. And then third, get to the questions at the end uh, and spend the, the bulk of the time there. Um, as far as an issue that goes, it's, it's like huge right now. But it, it's one of these things that Christians, I, I don't know that I would say there's nothing in the in the Bible about it. I don't know if it's the most clear cut, but I think it's there is the the border issue in immigration and illegal immigration I, I think you know ultimately the fact that it's illegal is the biggest problem you know those mm-hmm. of us who who know american history we know that america is a nation of immigrants um not opposed to immigration at all that being said that. <laughs> martin <laughs> that being said um uh you know what's going on there is a is a travesty, and man, it affects the economy in a bad way. How how do we respond to that? Because okay, in in, in Evansville, I'm looking at those who are in our area, immigrants, both legal and otherwise. By the way, I, I'm not aware of who's legal and who's not, so I just assume from my perspective that they're they're my mission field. We have a mm-hmm. very uh, fast growing Haitian population in Evansville. We have Haitian <laughs> people in our in our services almost every week now. And they don't speak English. Right? They speak French, Creole, sometimes Spanish, and very limited English. The children speak English, and we pick their children up on our buses. And so that's how they come
1: our way. But wow. I mean, what I think on a, an individual too. level, when you meet an immigrant, it's not a matter of you know whether legal or illegal. Like you were saying, you want to share the gospel with them if you need to. If you can, you want to be able to minister to them. But I think that the border issue itself, that it can be a moral – there's a moral – element to it because again who's coming into the country and and for security reasons you need to know that but also the amount of drugs coming across the border i mean the 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 amount of drug deaths in the country every time i look at it it just blows my mind i mean it's it's just a travesty um and secure borders is a big part of the problem or you know not having secure borders but also the people trafficking you know, what mm-hmm. happens to the people on their way to the border and what do they do to get across the border? And then because they're here illegally, they don't have a legal recourse to look for help. Um, and there are abuses taking place that are being financed by America or yeah. Americans, some Americans that uh, I think were just uh, it's just immoral. And so the border issue, I, I think there is a moral element to it. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah, I agree and, with you. I do think it is I do think it is more practical or political than it is moral, but you bring up good good intersections where morality comes into that, Martin. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've thought this through, of course, as an immigrant, you you have thought an enormous amount about this. I pastored in Chicago for sixteen years and pastored immigrants, both legal and illegal. And my thinking shifted some in those years. But it, it is it is impossible, I think, to have any common sense. And look at how we've just put an open, we've just opened every door on the border. Everybody that comes to the border, we let come in and we release to some later date. They're going to show up for some hearing and everybody in the world knows they're not to, you know, they're not going to just factually, they're not going to, there's just Mm -hmm. zero control down there. There's a, there's a increasingly a, a, just a humanitarian problem. I mean, it's just enormous problem. And I get highly frustrated with the the government because they're all, they're not enforcing the law they're just essentially yeah. letting people in and that that i am pro immigrant not as much right. as brother wickens because he is one but i am pro immigrant but but i am this, i'm pro immigrant because of brother
0: wickens by the way is, right there you go Just kidding
2: but it's it's out of control and it has to, we have to, we have to get control somehow just have to yeah
0: so so that that answers my question and i i felt like you two were the best people to answer as out of the three of us And that is okay first it's a humanitarian issue it's a common sense issue it's um it's a drug issue all of those things you know i think it it, the ecclesiastes solomon said because justice is not executed speedily that it's in men's heart to do evil and so you can't tell me that there are people who are not taking advantage who have america's worst interest at heart um, Mm -hmm. when in so doing and so um those are those are some of the issues and i guess I guess the issues are the same this year. They're just more pronounced.
2: I think positions are probably more polarized. Mm. So why is that? Why is it that because I think there's an interesting answer to that question. Why is it that American society is perhaps more polarized than at any point since the Civil War era? Mm. Mm. yeah okay, yes. Yeah, so take that a little further. why why is everybody afraid?
1: Because I think, you know, for as long as I've been paying attention to politics in, in America and Britain is similar but less polarized. Um, but we've been told for 20 plus years this is the most important election of our lifetimes, like every every yeah. election. And the the distance between positions has become further and further. And so this, this idea of them and us is much more pronounced in people's minds. And you, you hear people saying just the most ridiculous things. They've been told their whole lives, you know, if the Republicans get in power, then they're going to kill you. And, you know, if the Democrats get in power, well, then they're going to destroy the nation. And, you know, I think people have been taught to be afraid and to dehumanize the people on the other side. And, you know, that brings out a lot of extremes and it keeps pushing you to an extreme. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Which fits with what you just said, Brother Russ? Yeah,
1: yeah. About the media,
0: and and by the way, when when Tom pointed at the camera and went like this, he wasn't telling yeah. me to get out. He no, I was, that. I was agreeing <laughs> with what you just said. Did you said. Just see my you're, head go? Your one word. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like gave me a thumbs up and then told someone else get out. I was like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, it, it is. It is the media, but man, okay. So this kind of leads into for me this thought of. As a pastor, how do we lead people through the uh, the the, oh, the magnification of what I call the conspiracy theory uh, age? Everything is a conspiracy theory, but not every conspiracy theory is false. How much time am I supposed to spend in my pulpit? Basically, I've come to the place where I'm like, I can't keep all of this straight. And, and if, if it keeps me from preaching the word consistently, and setting a setting a proper table for our church in every service then i may have to deal with it on the podcast but i'm not going to deal with it in every service that being said and the reason for that is, is if it's not verifiable then i don't think i should bring it to the pulpit mm-hmm. right so we you know everything's
1: being active online we hear about a lot of things that maybe yeah. other people don't and sometimes we deal with an issue and then we mm-hmm. make it an issue because then people are like well i've never heard of that yes. i'm gonna go out and look at it right um yes. i think dealing with general principles is is the key, and you know, right. analyzing truth, you know, using reliable sources, and just a general approach is is kind of useful. But like you said, well, you can't address everything.
2: Correct, correct. You can't address teaching everything. people to. Re- I'm sorry, good. Well, I was
0: saying you can't address everything, but I'll tell you, in this day and age, there are some people who expect you to address everything, and yeah, it's made well, it
2: more difficult to pastor. They're just gonna have yeah. to, you know, you get get over it because I'm not. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not going to try to keep all that spinning. Okay, my, my, I'll give, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, uh, well, my further explanation
0: of what I'm trying to say is like when people were all worked up about the Dominion voting machines, it was like at that point we had been, we'd had the wool pulled over our eyes so many times that it was easy even for me to say, oh man, you know, maybe so. Now that the problem with that is, is it was never verifiable and it was never like, OK, here's the proof. And therefore, it was I could never come out and say, hey, you know, this is how we handle it when we've been lied to. I could never do that um, mm-hmm. because it was and I asked Arby Willette about that. He goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, but we don't have the proof. So we can't we can't deal in in truth or falsities. And so that leaves us no recourse to deal with this issue. You know um, that I'm not trying to get us into the subject of the stolen yeah, election, by I'm the sure. way.
1: But that's just one illustration.
0: Yeah. So,
1: but one thing that we started doing is I have a Q&A box out um, all the time and then the last Wednesday of every month I'll pull out those questions if we have any and deal with it. And sometimes it is something well, that's a good idea. Um like, you know, is the earth flat and, you know, and, and I address it, you know, what about aliens? Because for the one on the one hand, you're, you you want to just maybe not give it any time. But these are questions that people are, are facing. And I mean, Charles Spurgeon spoke about aliens and C.S. you know, Lewis, not, not extensively, of course, but kind of gave a, a brief, hey, this is what I think. So it's always been around. And I, I think, you know, th- th- so that kind of allows us to look at some issues that I wouldn't necessarily approach on a Sunday morning directly, mm-hmm. but it's, um, you know, worth addressing, at least to give some foundation.
0: Because I do think that it's, it's dangerous to not deal with stuff at all. Mm-hmm. you know and if people if people if it's on people's minds there there has to be a biblical response to it and that response may be to simply say the bible instructs us not to deal with uh you know vain conversations you know and some of that has been mm-hmm. man very prominent um among the more conservative crowd uh because it's like i can't i cannot deal with that 2020 taught me so much about that kind of thing, because you had the masks, you had the vaccines, you had the, you know, did COVID originate in the lab? All of these were things. And I think we all pastor more conservative churches that Mm -hmm. attract more conservative people politically. And so there was a lot inflamed. And I mean, you know, families were divided over this. Um, And so I just determined masks were not going to be a topic of my conversation. Um, Vaccines were not going to be a topic of my sermons. And I had people really pushing me to do otherwise. Now, did I deal with it? Yes, I did deal with it as a pastor, but it's not time to preach on that. Now, you get to some of these more hard and fast things that we've talked about, abortion, the border debt, national security, all that. I have absolutely no problem saying, "Okay, we're going to talk about the issues and you can decide who to vote for.
2: Because it should be clear. That's that's where you're taking the word of God and you're applying it. Right. If it's not applied, all we're doing is just teaching people. Yeah. So as we preach, we must apply the preaching of the word of God to how and where people live mm-hmm. and people live with these issues. That's why there are issues all across the country. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so let's get into candidates then.
0: Um, I'm assuming that that we're all united. And on... now
1: the trouble. Stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I'm assuming that we're all united on. The fact that, you know, there's one political party involved in this that does not at all support uh, what we believe about scriptural issues and things of that nature. So, you know, we'll just leave that where that's at. But, Tom, you've had all these candidates coming through. You know, how should we how should we proceed here?
2: Um, Just I think we should start with that with that graphic that Martin sent us a few minutes before we started. We start with that. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Martin. You got it. Uh, Yeah, let me just pull it up. Yeah, I I actually thought it was a,
1: it's kind of where I was at, but it summarized it well. Um, So I just read through the whole thing or read the segment and then discuss. However you want to do it. Um, So they said, if you want a repeat of 2017 to 2020, except with Trump being in his 80s and ages as candidates, I think we need to address at some point, um, you know, and you don't care much about social conservative issues, then, then Trump's your guy. So I think the two things interesting there is that it's just going to be a repeat of the the polarization of 2017 2020 likely with him not winning which again is going to upset people maybe um, well it's more complicated
2: be, it's more complicated now because of the trials
1: yeah the legal yeah, issues yeah uh, which
2: it's is going not to be just, just going to be as chaotic as the last time it's more complicated because of the legal situations and because of his age Mm -hmm. And because he's not near as conservative as he was on social issues. So so I I think that's essentially what the guy's trying to say. Well, let me me say
0: this about Trump, and that is that there are going to be a lot of disagreements again, just like there were in 2016, because you had people who were voting for Cruz in 2016 who hated Trump and said, I'll never vote for Trump. And then they did. Um, I personally, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to persuade anyone one way or the other on Trump. Um, I do believe that it's it can be factually stated mm-hmm. that he has shifted his position to a more liberal position on life to more liberal position on uh debt well actually I don't even think he was ever conservative on debt um and those kind of things you can see a track record now the difference now is that Trump did not have a track record politically in 2016 and I will say that I appreciate what Trump did and he governed mm-hmm. more conservatively than I than he ever than I ever thought he would uh after 2016 because I was like this guy is a farce. This guy's never. And he gave us the Supreme Court justices that we got. He gave us the win on life. Uh, and I love that that happened during the next administration, by the way. Uh, he gave us, you know, a lot of those things that I thought, well, you know what? I didn't I think, think he would do that.
2: I think Pence had a lot to do with that.
0: Oh, I do, too. I, I believe he did. Now, that's a subjective. I mean, in the opinion, sense of pushing I don't know. Trump,
2: I think I think yeah. Pence pushed Trump more conservative than Trump would have. Absolutely. been. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I think Trump was happy to go there because he, he needed he was courting the evangelicals. I don't see him courting the evangelicals this time. He's not. He's obviously not. It's quite a problem. right. He's not courting yeah. them this time. Right. But but he didn't in the primary anyway in 2016. So right. I don't know how that's going to go for the presidential election. He'll get, he'll need their vote. I do think he's spending mm-hmm. more time trying to pull from the middle. But again, some of what we're going to say today is just very subjective. That being said, I know there are going to be people who are like very hardcore Trump who preach in churches, just like ours, and love the Lord and all that. And I'm, you know, I know some of those guys. And I mean, I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of names right now, and it's like there. I just remember it from before, so I'm I'm not going to try to persuade anyone. that That being said, I don't think he's our best option at
1: all. Yeah, I, I appreciate everything you said about him. There were definitely some wins that we had and I still have him because of him. um My concern is I just don't know where he really stands uh yeah. because of the shifting and my, again, and if someone's for him, I'm not, not trying to convince him otherwise, but just where right. I am personally, I don't know if winning is more important to him than principle. Right. And yeah. so if I have, if I have other options, which I think I do, then I'm going to go for them. If they weren't, if there was no other option, I don't think he's the, right, you know, the worst choice in the world, but um, I have concerns. Okay, so next candidate, Martin. Uh, so the next one in this quote that we're coming off of, it says, if you want a blend of G.W. Bush and Hillary Clinton, basically an old guard, moderate Republican, that would be Haley. <laughs> Which <laughs> I love I love that we have the British
0: guy moderating this, by the way. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're known
0: for being fair, you know. Yeah. No, I'm just um Yeah, except and, you, you know, took I, that first shot at Lexington and Concord, but whatever.
1: Go ahead. That's like saying solo <laughs> the shot first. Like, I mean, who who can really say who was there to record
2: it? Anyway. Um <laughs> I saw a video on YouTube about it, so I watched the oh, Patriots. Okay. So well, if it was on the
1: internet. Remember, Abraham Lincoln said, don't believe everything just that yeah, it's yeah,
0: online. Right, right, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So, Haley, I agree with that. Um, And I- I'll be honest, there's mm-hmm. another person that I appreciate for her stand at the UN during the Trump presidency, man. Yes. Yes. Wow. I-,
2: I agree with that. And I think she's really learned her. I, I don't want to agree with her foreign policy, especially the nation building, you know, that sort of thing. But I, I do think she has a better grasp of foreign policy than anybody else running except for Trump because of his experience but i think she's mm-hmm. a little more conservative than that than that particular analysis i think it comes out for example in the in the in the trouble she got in new hampshire last week where she wouldn't answer the question about uh, the civil war being caused by slavery yeah. you can see mm-hmm. some of that south in her and i'm 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 really broad brushing here but you know we're just talking uh, so i think she's a little more conservative than perhaps she's I think she's reading the electorate as as a little to the left. And all she yeah. has to do is beat Biden and, and anybody can beat Biden. So she's she's mm-hmm. moving a little bit to oh, the left. No. I think she's more conservative underneath of that. Um, I, I think, think anybody. Can...
1: I have
0: been I have been unimpressed with her prowess and her ability to navigate those questions. Hmm. Like like when she said uh, New Hampshire's going to correct Iowa's
2: mistake. Oh, that like, was that played really oh, badly here. Yeah, that played really badly oh, here. But she shit. knew she was lo- she knew <laughs> she's behind here, and she's trying to, you know, set the bar so that she can real low, so she can clear it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Chamberlain's in New Hampshire.
0: He said several gaps in New Hampshire and throwing Iowa under the bus. But um, she's up in she's up in New
2: Hampshire, and well, yeah. I mean, she she's she's the, got the last new poll I saw, she's only nine horseman. points behind Trump. Yeah, my polls, whatever. Yeah, I, I, and I agree. I I I have very little
1: confidence in polls. Uh, yeah. I agree. So,
0: what about the next candidate?
1: Um, again, I think this was a fair assessment. If you want charisma with no record, and who knows what would happen, that's Vivek.
2: <laughs> I think that analysis is entirely too polite. Yeah, <laughs> it's not charisma. Yeah, well, he's just mouthy, but he's good with his.
1: But isn't that what the electorate has said? The electorate has says they like they like zingers. They they like. You know, someone who puts the media in its place, and you know, all of his top videos are where he he just goes for the throat on someone, and everybody cheers. And so that's what well, he's. That's what they
0: obviously. Do. He's obviously not running to win; he's running for clout. That's obvious to me because of the he's not kind spending like money. Jesse
2: Jackson used to.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not spending money. But I'll tell you this: his sound bites play extremely well. Like his answer about the white supremacy last week where someone uh CNN or somebody or no Washington Post I think asked him about do mm-hmm. you condemn white supremacy he goes see listen this is the problem and I went yeah no he's, oh, that he's was really good at that good he he's, yeah and, he's really and good at he it. pulls he pulls from a knowledge base that is deeper than what people give him credit for that being said he is a flip-flopper for politics like nobody's business and that's what turns me off I'm like oh okay he said he's, this then he said this now it's exactly the opposite yeah, course, I, talk, I agree
2: with that, too. I, I, I think know. one of the things that people don't talk about in relation to him, and I, I don't know if it's because people are offended or afraid to offend somebody about that, is he's young. Yeah. He's Is he even 40 yet? Um, I think he was 38. 38. I was looking at something this morning. Yeah. So the the age issue is a separate issue. Well, I guess it is this issue on either end of it. There's There's clear studies, repeated studies that show and this is not ageism it's just fact you get you get past the age of 70 and you begin to decline in your ability to to process things right but when you're younger i know the constitution puts the age of 35 on it but that's when people live to be 50 and that was it and so there's there's um i don't know any you just haven't seen enough of life and haven't dealt with enough things and you're generally more impetuous and more aggressive mm-hmm. um in handling things, which helps you because like Teddy Roosevelt was a relatively young president and he accomplished astounding things mm-hmm. because he had astounding energy. So there's a plus side to it, but our mm-hmm. presidency is a very delicate thing to, to it's got so much power and everything you say and do matters. Yeah. And, and I, I'm uncomfortable tell you, with his, his level of experience. I'm uncomfortable with his level of experience. I'm impressed by his depth of knowledge of
0: American history. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited by his answers to questions. Um, That being said, you know, one thing that you brought up the age issue, one thing that baffles me is on the right and the left, we always end up with old, old candidates and which amazes me because all of these millennials that are now allowed to, or old enough to vote and Xers that are uh, Gen X, Gen Z that are getting there uh, and, and turning 18. And it's like, you know, somebody once said, if you keep criticizing the snowflakes, eventually it's going to turn into an avalanche. And I, I actually agreed with that statement, though it's kind of tongue in cheek, um, mm-hmm. is that young young people are turning out to vote. That's why we've lost so badly in 2020 and 2022. But why do we keep ending up? I mean, they, young people loved Bernie. They loved mm-hmm. Bernie. And it's like,
1: what is I think the I saw secret a sauce? And it showed how up until, yeah. like was it? 2000 or something or the 90s that the the presidential candidates and the presidents were within like a similar time frame of their generation but since then you know we've been electing presidential candidates or you have I haven't because I can pay taxes <laughs> but I can't vote yet but um, yeah. you've been electing presidents from the 50s and 60s and just it's just stuck there for some reason right um which again it might be one of those you know better the devil you know you know rather than giving a new guy a chance it could uh, be. which kind of did with trump but even still he'd been around forever and he had cameos in home alone and right. like
0: he's oh yeah well he, had, he, he was well known so uh, a couple things on on our comments one steve clark says he agrees on vivek makes him nervous on his stance on israel yeah i agree he said some kind of edgy things about israel but i felt like it was more Mm -hmm. an an attempt to sound smart than it was like he would be anti-israel um peter chamberlain again very involved as a pastor um in the in this the process there in new hampshire and he says vivek has 750 billion reasons to stay in the race and get notoriety but in new hampshire he's viewed as arrogant um then I, i you know he said this he said that. Haley has the Sununu endorsement, which is not a good conservative, a, a conservative endorsement, which I asked him in the comment, but will it help her there? He said it will help. But Sununu would take abortion back to 40 weeks if given the opportunity. That's his opinion. And we'll do that. There's a discussion as to whether or not Martin Wickens, we should change the Constitution to allow <laughs> you to run for president. Um, people agree. Um and then uh, I wouldn't uh, want to step
1: down from the pulpit to, to ah, give the, nice. Thank the, the, you. The I thought the, you, the, you were going to say you were right you
0: wouldn't want to step down from the issues podcast, but fine, whatever. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: that as well, I guess. Well, I could keep that going, but yeah. You know.
0: which leads us to what I think is the only other viable candidate, because I don't think Christie's viable, but whatever. Uh, and that's um uh DeSantis. So what what right. did your little post thing say on DeSantis, and then we'll get into it.
1: Yeah, well, I liked what he said about the – he says if you basically want a Democrat but for some reason feel the need to vote a Republican, Christie's your man. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why Christie's up there. I mean, anyway. It's his
2: last gasp at being relevant. He should have run in 2012, and he didn't. Mm. And he tried in sixteen, and it was too late, and it's his last gasp for relevance. And he's he's just – he should have the wisdom of Pence and back out while well, he doesn't look like an absolute fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Now I wish Pence was still
2: on the table, but that's a what if, and you know that's a it's whole gone. other discussion. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, You brother Russ, <laughs> you and I both like him an enormous amount. I think I like a lot him. of our listeners do. Yeah, I like him. I think he's a genuine Christian, and a lot of our
0: friends think he's a complete fraud and a fake. And I just, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't get there. I mean, it's like, ah, but that's not what this yeah. is all about. No,
2: yeah, he's not in the race. Well, yet. and
1: the, the last one here then is if you want a focused, effective, conservative leadership on fiscal and social issues, the only choice is Ron DeSantis. And um, you know, maybe not everyone's going to agree with that, but I, I, I find myself in agreement with that analysis.
0: Hmm. Tom, you've actually sat in the room with him. What's your thought?
2: I was struck by the fact that he had good answers. He. he I stood there for, for, I think it was maybe 50 people. He was with us for two hours. And every question that we asked him, he had a good answer for. And mm-hmm. even his dodges, and he had a couple of dodges. He's a politician. Even those he, he had good answers for, he's thought through a lot of these issues. But to me, and he should at this point, he has been running for president for a year. But to me, his great strength, and he he brought this out, but he's right, is he has done what he said he would do. Yeah. In other words, you look at how he's governed in Florida and he has accomplished what he what he set out to. I don't mean his job's finished, but you understand what I mean? Like he's he's I've tried to pass this. and We've got this done and we we made progress this. And this is what we did here. And this is what we did there. And I and so his track record is not just of talking about stuff, but of actually governing and doing stuff and he's of course very very conservative and he's gotten more popular in florida not less at least mm-hmm. in comparison with the, with his first election and then his re-election right um he's he's young but not too young he's in his mid 40s i think something of that nature yeah. um he he's decisive um he's not arrogant doesn't strike me as being arrogant i like his family um i like his approach to a lot of things um he's I one of the only he's with actually- him. He's the only one who actually has
0: any kind of track record of reducing debt. Yeah, right. In Florida, yeah. they reduced debt
2: and and keeping the yeah. economy healthy while he did it. Right, right. And, and he and he pushed back. He kept it open during COVID. He he saw some of that more clearly than a lot of other right. politicians. Um, he, I I I have differences of opinion with him. I think Ukraine's more important than he thinks it is, but I realize I'm probably in a minority about that, and I accept that um I, i'm I'm in favor of the voters making decisions, mm-hmm. not the courts. and that's a whole other discussion about Colorado and Maine and all that. But um, mm-hmm. the voters are under judgment, but a, as of right now, I'm a week out. i I do plan to vote for DeSantis okay. out of the choices that I have. Our yeah, so for DeSantis. If,
0: if I were in Iowa, i would I would vote DeSantis. um you know a lot of a lot of our people like him. a lot of our our crowd likes him. you know, even Chamberlain here says he answers clearly concisely. He has a Florida track record little awkward personally to connect with, won't be your best friend, but can and will get the job done. And that's, so that's why I was so big on Ted Cruz back in 2016 was the Supreme Court was on the ballot and he had a track record of winning cases. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. he knows people, he clerked, he's, you know, I trusted that um, he was, he was from Texas. He, he had all these things. He was also, uh, because I met him on, um, two occasions the the day that he, that he lost his temper on national news and chewed Trump out and, and then um, lost the election in, in Indiana. We were in the next room um, that was at Wolf's barbecue here in Evansville. And he had Carly Fiorina and his wife next to him. And you could just see the panic in their eyes. Ted's lips were blue when he walked out. They were was that, blue.
2: Was that when Trump went after his wife?
0: Yes. Yeah. So Trump yeah, got that's him. What, yeah, I remember. Trump that. got him, man. And he got his right. goat hmm. and, and, and Ted Cruz that's just flew off the handle. I'm like, and, yeah. and so yeah. when he walked, when he shook my hand, I didn't know that that had just happened till later when he shook my hand in that room. Like I was like, Ooh, he looks, and he was physically just completely depleted. It was crazy. Um, they all mm-hmm. looked like they had seen a ghost. They knew already they had lost Indiana by right. that time. And it was only new. Right. Um, So I liked Ted Cruz. Well, and that's, that's actually my concern here uh, based on 2016, right? Ted Cruz won Iowa. Um, now you had a much broader field. You had 16 candidates or whatever it was, some crazy thing like that. Um, there were some differences. There was more voter turnout expected in 2016 than, than this year. Right. Um, I follow a couple of Iowan commentators and, and kind of trust their analysis. Um, so, yeah, I would do all of that. And, I, and I'm attracted to the fact that he he doesn't have this craving for attention. And he just wants to work. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying I I know that sounds like a slam on Trump, but Trump was working 15 hours a day, if not more in the White House. So I, I give him all the credit for hustle. I don't know, but don't get me started on
2: that, because I don't know how you come up with that. That is not what I've read. That's <laughs> what Mike Pence but told us. I don't I, I don't want to go through all of my things, the reasons I don't like Trump, because the list is enormously long, and I still want people to like me when this podcast is over. Yeah, and, and I, we. I, I wondered how that would go with this. And, and um, i tried just, to we, discipline myself, myself to... for the last hour, and I'm going to keep trying to discipline yeah. myself, so. Well, so
0: here's where I'm it, at. And I wanted to say this, because it's like, I, I made the mistake of being so anti-Trump in 2016 and then having to change my uh, mind. So I would, if it were between Trump and Biden, I'm voting for Trump. I'm not writing someone in. I'm sorry. And and in Indiana, I don't think it'd matter anyway because I think Trump would win in Indiana. Um, But I'm I'm not an only Trump by any stretch. I don't believe in that. Uh, I think the Independent Baptists have a track record of getting that wrong within their own ranks. Therefore, why would I be only one candidate in a presidential race. Um, and then I am not never Trump because he surprised me last time. I do not like as a, as a Christian and a pastor, I cannot condone his behavior, cannot condone his attitude. I think that he will do anything to win. And that's a problem. Um, uh, at the same time, <laughs> Ricky Owen says, he's not stupid, nor is he a genius. He's more like a mad scientist. And I'm like that, that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> them <laughs> That's funny.
2: I've read, though, I've read schools of I, thought that say that's one of the reasons why we, we didn't get in wars during his presidency, because yeah. he was so unpredictable.
1: Oh, and his I Tennessee, think if you punch him, that.
2: he's to punch you. He's just going to punch oh. you right back. But here's I think what I and, and, I, and I did like that about him. Well, here's what I believe. I think that we needed a
0: disruptor. I don't think you can live in a state of disruption. And I don't yeah, know if Trump is capable of home. doing anything else.
1: See, with Trump, he was- I heard someone say that on the right, they take him seriously, but not literally. <laughs> and on the left, they took him literally, but not seriously. Oh, seriously. Yeah. And so we hear that's him good. say something and we're like, okay, that's a little bit crazy, but we understand what he means is. So you know, I've got to give him credit for what he accomplished, and but I, I just think there are better options out there. And yeah. it does raise the whole question of um Sorry, I just saw what Paul Peters put, but um, it does raise the whole I'm question deleting. of. The, so, um, Move on. So, <laughs> I don't.
2: I don't watch the just. Just for the record, I never watched the Facebook feed while we're doing this. I go back and answer all the I've questions. I've never later. been. I've never. So been whatever just happened, back. I'm going to miss it. I'll just I've never been taken guys... back
0: by a comment, but wow! I just but, let you guys um, deal with it.
1: So, I don't even know where I'm going with that, or Martin. um, Yeah, so it it raises questions for me about to what ethical or standard of integrity do we hold our candidates, and at what point do we have to say, you know what, even if our side loses, we're not going to have that person representing me. Um, But I think that's more of a question of the nation needing a great revival and a great awakening so that as a populace we sit back and say you know what we want higher standards than we're seeing in um you know in the current slate of candidates that we have because there's so much childishness bitterness backhandedness i mean it's just you can yeah. and it's you not just from one individual
2: no i agree with you it's become it's become systemic because it's where our culture is at as our culture has deteriorated and I'm speaking very broadly now, not just biblically, as our culture has deteriorated in a wide number of areas that's reflected in the candidates that that run for office, because those are the people that are, are getting votes. And mm-hmm. and so you're not going to see the same level of discourse as you would have seen. And again, I've, re- I've read an enormous amount of American history. I, I realize that there there have been all kinds of nasty stuff done during political races, you know, for, okay, all, yeah. for American history. And I get that. And, and, and I, that's the context. But our our, as our culture has moved left, and not just moved left, but deteriorated, our our political candidates have become weaker, have become more vocal, have become more emotional, have become less logical, have become more extreme, have become more petty, have become more selfish, personality based. Yes, and and again, politics is by definition to some extent all of those things anyway. Um, But I think it's I think it's an indication our government is we're a republic, but essentially we function as a democracy. And our government reflects where we are as a nation. And that again becomes a moral issue, or at least is revelatory in or in indi- indicates where we're at as a society.
1: Yes. Hey we have a troll in our view. No so just keep going. Can you just
2: keep going? Can you, I got yeah, just
1: ban him or something? Yeah. Um so, yeah, I agree with all that. Do you think we should get to the questions that were raised? Please. Um, for the. Uh, you have that list there in front of you? Uh, I, I have the list. Yep. All
2: right. Go ahead. Take the first one.
1: Um, so uh, David on Twitter, he said, I would be curious to know your thoughts on women running for positions of political leadership. Should Christians support this or is it just another way? The culture is rejecting biblical roles for men and women. Put another way, do you believe that male headship applies only to the church and home, or does the design of God extend beyond just those two specific situations? Um what, what's your personally, thoughts? Personally, I I don't see a problem. I think male headship is very clear in home and the church. Um, but I, I don't extend that to business or um politics personally, but it's it's not something I maybe have closely analyzed. What do you think, Tom?
2: So you're so you're saying that from a position of what your opinion is. You don't necessarily think the Bible speaks to it either way. I'm not attacking you. I'm trying to clarify.
1: I, I haven't thought it through in, in maybe as much detail as I should, but I can't think of a biblical principle that would rule out having a a, a woman prime minister or a, in my case, a you know back in England a queen or something along those lines.
2: I agree with you for that reason, because the Bible doesn't speak to it. And this is what I would say to Brother Green and to anybody else who brought it up. The Bible is very clear about how the church is to be led, now the home is to be led, doesn't necessarily talk about how the government is to be led. And so since it doesn't, then it leaves me room to make those decisions, you know, essentially as I as I think makes sense or as I see fit, so to speak, um, within the rest of the biblical revelation. I don't think there's a biblical issue with um, a woman leading a government. There may be practical reasons. There may be realistic reasons, but I don't think there's a biblical reason for it. And I I just you referenced a woman prime minister. Of course, Margaret Thatcher very famously is perhaps the greatest prime minister in, in the 20th century. You can make that argument, perhaps, besides Churchill. Mm-hmm. And um, she clearly was qualified, clearly knew what she was doing. Now, having read, I just finished the biography over last year, she was a bad mother. And so you balance that out. Is that should she have done that? Probably not. As, yeah, as but, a prime minister, was she effective? She was enormously effective. And so, yeah. But David was a bad father. You know, I, I, I don't know if that. I, I know, I, I know. And, and I'm
1: not I, I trying to cut you down here, Tom. I just, yeah. You know, no, I don't I, know. I, 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 don't I think know. that raises I, questions about our whole system of government, anyway. Yeah. That, um, and and it's the same thing with certain Christian ministries. Is if they're set up in such a way that. You have to neglect your family in order to do your job. Well, then there's something wrong with the job by definition. Or your approach to the job. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: uh, Also, um, to me, this is one of those issues in which the, Vi- the Bible seems to be descriptive of several different scenarios, but not very prescriptive of what to do. Um, for instance, you do have queens that are leading the nation of Israel, and that, that never went well. Doesn't you know you, you have that? Um, well, you have you the also, prophetess Deborah, right? You have the prophetess Deborah. You you, you know for that matter, you have it's not the same um, normative
2: for the church age, but also not necessarily right. Not
0: you have you have Esther. You you have you know, but again, not the the head of the kingdom. Although mm-hmm. he was willing to give her half of the kingdom. Um, again, those are descriptions of things that happen,
2: but not prescriptions of how to function. So, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't think no I don't think, know, I, I don't but, think that women there, there's nothing about women that makes them innately inferior. Oh. I don't believe that for a moment. Um, they're mm-hmm. not incapable of running a government. Obviously, they have. You just look at world history. They have. And I don't yeah. think, speaking biblically, that it's forbidden. So my answer to both the question is I don't see a problem with it. I, I would take it on a case-by-case yep. case basis. If it came to, in the context of this election, if it came to a Haley against Biden, I'm voting for a Haley without even thinking twice. Mm-hmm. You voting for mm-hmm. Trump without thinking? Okay, moving on. So we have the next question. You already <laughs> know the <laughs> answer to that. Is,
0: Which is – and this is actually one I hear. want to hear from Tom as well. How do you define Christian nationalism, and do you find it compatible with individual soul liberty?
2: We've talked about this, sort of, but
0: but that's an interesting question. We did, question a, we did an it.
2: episode on soul liberty, and actually we do plan in this upcoming season, not to let the guy out of uh-huh. the bag, but because it's directly applicable, we do plan an entire podcast dedicated to Christian nationalism, and so I would prefer to hold my fire for that podcast.
0: Yeah, it, it would be helpful if, if there was a – Because right now, what I feel like is there are so many definitions to the to the
1: term. That's how I feel. Uh, mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. And and that's part of the problem with it is do we mean Christian nationalism in terms of it being a theocracy? And we do away with any illusions of democracy or a democratic republic. And basically you have priests running the country. Is is that what people want? Um, the po- the post mills
0: are are rearing their heads on this one. So that's, you know,
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and the well, dominion that's is. another thing, though, is it's theology management. Arm-
2: yeah. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Martin.
1: You know, by and large, I think it is driven by an amillennial or a postmillennial theology, mm-hmm. which, you know, I have brothers and sisters in Christ. So they hold that position. That's fine. But, you know, that does naturally lead, I think, for some to a, a Christian nationalism. Yeah. Um, and, you know, right. you look at John Calvin's Geneva, you look at really pretty much any of the mainline Protestant denominations, um, and when they were running the country, yeah, it was maybe good in some ways, but it was nightmarish in another. Which, mm-hmm. you know, which brand of Christian is it going to be? Mine, um, obviously mine. When,
2: yeah. That's well, how it, yeah. And
1: it's fine when it's mine. Like here's, that, what, know, here's, what I,
0: here's what I have a problem is when they when people lump in, Patriotism with Christian nationalism. I'm like, that's not the same thing, you know. I'm a patriotic Mm -hmm. American. Um, my and and where where I pastor my church in regard to that as as it relates to patriotism in the church, I do believe there's some individual soul liberty in that regard. Uh, Once we get into the Christian nationalism discussion, I think we'll be able to properly define it, and we'll be able to to one way or the other say, you know, this is this is biblical or not. Um, you know, some people have uh, an American flag in their auditorium. Some don't. We've had these discussions. I have July 4th celebrations with my church. We honor veterans in our in our services. And I feel very comfortable doing that because out of 200 plus services a year, if that's a one off kind of thing every year, you know, I'm trying to minister to people where mm. they are. And so I, that's where I'm at. I, I know that that sounds very pragmatic. But um, at the same time, you know, I don't think that equates to Christian nationalism, and uh, no, Martin, I you, think most you people better... just go ahead.
1: I think by Christian nationalism, a lot of people just want a country guided by Christian principles, mm-hmm. and that may be like the most entry level position on it. But um, I, I think the well, blessed is the nation whose God dangerous. is the
0: Lord. You know, but
2: all <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. okay. To, um, this is very open yeah, India. So we'll we'll deal with that in more detail later today. But I think yeah, the extremes it. of it can be dangerous.
2: I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it.
0: John Uteflesch asks, to what degree should politics be in the pulpit? That's a very open-ended question.
2: It is. And and I think he, he knows, well, I shouldn't say he knows the answer because he's not trying to be snarky with the question. No, I, I know no, he's not. But I, I did flesh, he's a good man. I, I We've covered this, I think, from the standpoint earlier in, in this episode where we talked about it should intersect when it intersects on issues of right and wrong. And mm-hmm. I, I think all of us, well, the three of us, I should say, would yeah. agree that in a in our experience, and, and perhaps even extending it to our lifetime, the independent Baptist movement has erred, this is my opinion, has erred in that, um, has become too political, uh, and then sometimes there's a swing going back the other extreme. But it's not just independent Baptist, because it's Jerry right. Falwell, was it's the majority, you know, and he was he was independent Baptist at the time, but then became Southern Baptist, and then essentially nothing. So, um, it, 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 it's not just an us problem, but but we yeah. should generally preach the word of God and make application and not necessarily be trying to get someone elected.
0: Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. what you said is right that we've erred, but I don't think we've erred any more than any other movement or people I, I agree in that. You. I think it's I very similar you. to other movements because you brought up Falwell. And Peter Chamberlain's answer is very basic, but it's very correct. He says, we don't preach politics. We preach the whole counsel of God and every issue will be preached and taught. And then we teach the people... Right. Uh, to vote their biblical worldview and it will permeate society impacting elections. So absolutely. That's what I've always done. Um, And uh, someone else in the comments, I I can't find it right now. We've got a lot of comments, but um, said, you know, I just preached on biblical issues and it changed two people's mind on who to vote for. Uh, But he didn't push them toward, you know, didn't push them toward a candidate. So um,
2: this is, this is. I like, I like having social media because i can give my opinion much more than i can do at the pulpit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel much much my, the pulpit changed me and it rightly rightly so it changed me to yeah. the word of god and i, I remember and a, I, I try to be very conscious of that <laughs> i remember a pastor saying i can't tell you who to vote for but if you go look at my
0: bumper sticker you'll know <laughs> <laughs> you know um this is a question and i think the question is a little bit more Complex than, than Peter asks it, but Peter Mosley says, "Can a pastor support Trump over DeSantis and still be right with God?" Uh, I asked this almost facetiously, but not really, because having reservations about DeSantis has got me called some pretty ugly things from other pastors. So here is a guy who probably favors Trump over DeSantis, maybe doesn't trust DeSantis. I've heard that from people that I trust them on majority of issues, and yes, you know that's I I reminded Martin yesterday. I said just get ready cuz there will be guys who we we're like how do they not see it the way i see it mm-hmm. and 2020 taught me a lot about that 2016 taught me a lot about that we have to learn uh, this is not a, a this is not like a just you know sit back and don't don't take a stand statement but you do have to learn how to pick your battles and i've come to expect that people such as even my co-hosts here today are come going to come to very different perspectives on things than i will And I can be okay with that as long as it doesn't violate a scriptural principle or whatever. And and that's Mm -hmm. my answer on that. Um, Maybe it's maybe there's a better answer, but yeah, no. There's going to be guys who are like, no, I think Trump. I think Trump. You know, and hey, you know, it's not a big deal. What you're what you're upset about is not a big deal. Um,
2: And yeah, that's where I think there must be. And this is in this, I'm going to agree with you almost entirely. I'm just going to use a different word than you've used so far. Um, we gotta have grace with one another about yeah. that mm-hmm. so as as strongly as I feel about certain politicians, pro or con, people that disagree with me, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt in my mind, not just in my conversation with them but in my mind. they have a, uh they have a mind like I do, they have experience like I do, they have wisdom and perspective. they walked with the Lord a long time like I have. They they've read the Bible like I have. They they might be right and I might be wrong. And both of us can have a difference of opinion on this. And that doesn't make them evil or weak. And now there are exceptions to that. For example, I think anybody who's for a pro-abortion candidate, I don't see how you can reconcile that. Right. With a being a biblical Christian. Right. And but but I mean, outside of clear moral issues like that, I try to keep in mind, I try to I try to treat people with grace and I, in turn, I want to teach my church, especially, and this is what I've really tried to emphasize since I came here four, five, five years ago, four or five years ago, is okay. You've got your opinion about your about your political, you know, your candidate, but let's let us let us be kind to each other and treat people with grace about it, and let's not be violently critical personally of Christians that we share the same pew with. Let's let's mm-hmm, let's right. love each other and be gracious to each
0: other. And that's why I told our well, church, I said, I'm really not looking forward to this year because mm-hmm. I know it's going to it's going to divide some people in our church, a, a church our size. I think it would divide any church. It would divide people in any church our size. So we, we have we had to, learn... to listen. To... What? No, sorry. Go ahead. I was... Well, what I was going to say was we have to learn to be, be long suffering, be gracious and allow other people their opinions on on a particular candidate in this regard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For instance, someone may say, I'm not voting for Trump because his words, actions, et cetera, they, they violate my conscience. Another person may say, I'm voting for Trump because I'm not voting for a pastor, and I believe he's a better option than Biden. I, I'm obligated to give my children the best chance at
1: a good future. I'm going to let both of those guys be who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for grace in this kind of a disagreement um, what I was going to say is we, we had a listener jump on there earlier, uh, Jonathan Van den Herk. I don't know if he's still listening or watching. Um, and I'm curious, he's a missionary in England. And I would say if you're looking for a missionary to support and he gets back here on a follow, keep an eye on him. He's, he's, he's a top guy. I really have a lot of respect for him, but I'm curious how, you know, overseas, if they hear about any of these other candidates mm. like DeSantis, or if it's all Trump, um, and the other thing that I was thinking, yep, he's still there. Jonathan Vanden Heuk is a good guy. Um, but in, in Britain, the politics wasn't as divisive in churches. And I think the reason was because whether we had Tony Blair or David Cameron, it didn't matter. They weren't going to be pro-conservative Christian. They weren't going to help on the abortion issue. So I think over here, because it, it could make a difference Mm-hmm. It's why it's that much more divisive. And so that's definitely a learning curve I've had hmm. um, coming from England to here is that in England, it probably didn't matter who we had as a, a yeah. prime minister, whereas here it's, it does. It's probably uh, that, how I So felt, I think there's got to be.
2: That's probably how I felt in the Chicago mayor elections. Like, it didn't matter who was up for election. They didn't care about what the independent Baptists on the corner of George and Laverne thought, and they would never right. care. Yeah. Do you so think, I'm sorry, just cuz no, I, I think
0: I think this is kind of a good thing to bring out. Americans are pretty pretty proud of our system, right? You know, we best system in all the world, you know, just a little bit, right? But um do you see the value of the of the American system as it was designed maybe by our founders, not so much what it's evolved to, but do you see the value of that this over that or are you where are you at with that and and, then i'm looking for an honest answer i'm not gonna make fun of you
1: no you can make fun of me it's fine i can take it the british used to be picked on (laughs) i think um i think there's a couple of things i think there's a benefit to the british political system whereby you have such longevity to it that anything that happens takes such a long time and you know the the unelected house of lords i think has all kinds of problems but it also means you've got people there who don't care what anyone thinks, and they do bring to you know some stability to it. So change isn't as radical, and it's not as quick. Um, you know, the American system, as I think the the founding fathers uh, established it, is really outstanding. Um, I think what we see now, though, is there's so much money in the system, and there's so much power with certain individuals, like you know, the president. Of the United States, with his um, or her executive powers, yeah, executive power can do far more than many kings in history, and that blows my mind. The power that the president has, and so I think what the system is designed to be, in comparison, maybe to what it is now, it it needs to go back a little bit. Um, but I, you know, oh, I do. Yeah, appreciate we're always fighting
0: over limited government and the. Mm-hmm. we're not. Executive We've team. given up. Right. The executive order issue is like Republicans rail against it and but they're you know, until there
2: until there's a Republican president.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but the attitude with that is, well, if they use it we have to as well or we can't balance
2: things out. And it's, it's like it's uh... not a sense yeah, it's the the limited government ship has has been paid lip service to um for the past couple of decades, but essentially neither side believes it. Yeah. I remember watching, it might have been the 2012, one of the debates in 2012 or something, it was when Ron Paul was running, maybe 2008, and somebody asked a question about this very thing, and he finally had a chance to answer. Of course, he was on the fringes, Ron Paul was, and yeah. he said, well, he said, I, all I know is I'm the only one on this stage who's for having less power as president.
1: Mm.
2: And that was in a Republican mm-hmm. primary. Yeah.
0: Well... Um, last question. We've already answered it, so we don't have to spend much time. But it says, can somebody biblically support any candidate in the Republican or Democrat party and still be consistent in his application of voting for biblical principles? We kind of talked about it from the perspective of supporting a um, a pro-abortion candidate. I, I don't see how you do that as a believer. Um, and it used to be. The only
1: pushback could, I've had with that is if you've got a pro-war Republican candidate. Right. And they're going to take lots of lives outside of the womb compared, you know, so it's on the, on the surface of it, I would say, no, I can't understand ever supporting a pro abortion candidate, but there might be some times where a conversation has to be had, but Mm -hmm. yeah, on the surface of it, I I would struggle with that.
0: That's that lesser of two evils philosophy. And it's like, yeah, it's still worse Mm -hmm. to kill a baby in the womb, you know, in my, in my opinion. But then again, yeah, that, and then it used to be that economically, you know, people would support the Democrats because of their economics. Now that's crazy. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so <sighs> I do think you have to be careful as a as a or we maybe I should say we need to be careful as as men who lead ministries that we don't preach. Right, you can't be a Christian and be a Democrat. Right, I may mm-hmm. think that and I may feel that. But I can't necessarily say that biblically. And I think not only am I not sure I can say it biblically, I probably shouldn't say it, mm-hmm. at least from a pulpit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think there's, I think there's it's one things thing to that struggle think,
0: with that question as yes. an individual, it's another thing to promote that question as a leader.
2: Precisely. Mm-hmm.
0: Precisely. And, and it's harder in this
2: day than it ever has been. Yeah, because everybody's moving left, and them most of all. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I think it wasn't that long ago that the abortion question wasn't what it is today. So whether you went for a Democrat or a Republican, you know, the Democrat could be seen as pro-people and pro-union and whatever else. Right. And right. it wasn't as serious to, um, to, to you know, to favor them over another. So I, I think you've, again, you have to draw the line somewhere where that line is, is going to be muddy. And, you know, I think there are clear principles, but. I wouldn't write it off as an easy question either. The uh, Chamberlain's uh, right.
2: You you, you preach a biblical worldview. You right. teach your people to 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 be discerning mm-hmm. through the lens of the word of God. And then they go make their choices.
0: Martin, your friend Jonathan mm-hmm. said that in England Christians cannot understand why we would ever support Trump because he seems to exalt only himself, like the Bible describes the Antichrist. And he told him, he said, Well, just look at the Supreme Court appointees and you know, it's kind of more like Nebuchadnezzar than the Antichrist, is what he's saying. Um, and mm-hmm. there is that whole thought of the king's hand, heart is in the hand of the Lord. Um, but still an example of the attitude of the Antichrist. So it's interesting perspective. Yeah.
1: And and a lot of that has to do with how it's reported in Britain. Like you, you, you get no balance. Um, when I got ready to move over here, I guess over five years ago now, I was still working in a grocery store and a lady, a customer, heard her, me talking to another work colleague about moving. And she said, how can you move to America with President Trump? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get killed. And I was like, Well, I'd love to talk about it, but I gotta go on a break. And I just walked away because I'm like, this is you know, this is ridiculous. That's so, a very British yeah, thing
0: to do, Martin, by the way. It's hey, pretty hey,
1: true. Gotta go. Cheerio. Yeah, it's like, oh, lunchtime. But well, we do have one more question to address. You said we that was the last question. Okay. We you trying to avoid it? You 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 sidestepping it? You afraid? Oh, no, we just <laughs> no go ahead no, get it. okay so i kind of like this question um which candidate has the best paul Harvey impression video trump or DeSantis? can
0: we just all unanimously condemn the video where it called him a good shepherd
1: yeah i see i i would you know i would give a summary of this putting words in god's mouth is never wise Ooh, never yeah. uh, you know God needs nothing, he needs no one. So to say God needed a, you know, that's unwise. And heroizing an entire demographic or an individual is, again, it's going to be problematic. So God made a farmer. It's not too bad, and it's speaking in generalities. So I'm not going to campaign against that. I don't like it. It's putting words in God's mouth, but I, I get it. Um, DeSantis, God made a fighter I don't like it Um, it's not as objectionable it calls for a fighter and it's DeSantis who's there but you know it seemed to leave a room for a fighter whoever it is but I still didn't like it God made Trump and then to say that he's the shepherd of mankind that would never leave them nor forsake them Yeah, that's, that's blasphemous and idolatrous and you know uh, I would I I have no room for that whatsoever. It's not funny. It's not clever satire. It's not a good reflection of what Paul Harvey did with his. And I'm done as far as that's concerned. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you wanted to
0: bring it up. So I was just letting you roll.
1: And if other people like it, that's fine. I'm not going to separate fellowship with you. But uh, I think well, it that's crossed the that's line. And the fact that he I- shared it. I, I can't give him any yes. – somebody else made it, but he shared it. He liked it. So, uh, he, yeah.
2: Uh, I think it just indicates who he is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a signpost that just says, this is who I am. But if you can't see that at this point, after 78 years of him being on this earth and yeah. nine years of being involved in politics, if you can't see clearly who he is, that's on you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there we go. So we have big plans for the season ahead. Anybody want to talk about if, that? If
2: we have any listeners left after we just
0: <laughs> alienated everybody, <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think so. But no, remember we wants... have grace to those who disagree with us. Yes, please, please remember that. Please, grace. Please,
0: please have grace toward those of us who disagree with you. That's what you wanted, wanted me to say.
1: Yeah. So new
0: new season coming up. First episode drops end of February. Ish. And. uh we're we're trying to we're trying to um this this season tackle some tougher some tougher topics. I won't say that we've been avoiding them. Um just I'll just say that uh you know some of them we felt it wiser to pace ourselves on approaching them, but but we do plan on tackling some tougher topics. And uh, we're always open to listener feedback. If if you have a good idea for a topic, shoot it our way. Um and uh, sometimes those things end up as 10 minutes of an episode. Sometimes they end up as a whole episode. But uh, we are excited to get back on. About 15 episodes, 13 to 15 episodes for this season. Is that right, guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And you guys have, uh, you guys have really, you know, our listeners have really made it, made it awesome to, um, to even just encourage us to continue. And so we're grateful for that. Yes, we are.
2: Amen. And between now and then, uh, you can find us online. We're all pretty active online. We're happy to chat with you.
0: Yes, we are. And uh, we will. So thanks for listening today, guys. Have anything to add before I close it down? Nope, I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. All right, we'll upload this to our audio tomorrow. Um, Thanks for all the feedback, guys. And uh, we look forward to joining you again in February. Take care.